inside this whip. He rained out his burner. Mama looking at me, crying. She asking when they can stop the murder. Till when did they first stop burning? Till there was no more hurdles. Pop green up, no kernels. This lean designer, no Virgil. No Tesla, I'm a mega pilot. They told my homie, so I got a break of silence. Welcome back. It's all hustle, no luck. Me and Chris holding it down today. Shout out Kev. He'll be back next week. But playoffs are going on, man. It's the NBA playoffs, second round. Um, it's interesting, to say the least. There's a lot of things we want to discuss, a lot of controversy uh, in the basketball realm right now. So we're going to dig into all that and also give you a quick deep dive into some of the, the matchups or more notable matchups. So uh, let's not waste no time. Let's get into it. Chris, what have you been up to, man? I'm good. I'm good. Day by day. Um, basketball has been amazing, in my opinion. When you're looking at now that Embiid is back, miraculous return, um, that is looking like a series out of nowhere, all over again. Who who wouldn't know? Who wouldn't you? But I'm here to talk about it, so let's just jump right into it. Yeah, let's not waste no time because there's only four matchups really to discuss, and we have a couple other things that we want to talk about as well towards the end of the pod. So let's start it out between. Uh, or let's start out in the East. We have Miami and the 76ers. Miami's currently at a 2-1 lead over the Sixers, although the Sixers just won their first game with Joel Embiid back, game three. Uh, they blew them out by 20 points. And I'm going to start it off generally, and then I'll pass it to you to kind of do a deep dive, Chris. But I don't really have too much interest in this series, and I'll tell you why. Miami is performing as I think they would have, or I thought they would have performed, Really, the limelight is on Philly. And Joel Embiid came back. We didn't have a Joel Embiid performance. It was 18 and 11. Harden is... is This is the new Harden. And I, I've come to accept that. But when I'm watching it, it doesn't look like Philly's going out there with much fight. Granted, they just blew them out by 20 points. But I, if I'm being honest, I think they might be the only game they steal this entire series, right? And I know this is kind of an oxymoron to say that they look lackluster and they're coming off a 20-point win. But... I'm not going out there and 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 look and seeing any fight or or vigor in, in Philly's game to say that I have any confidence moving forward that they're able to steal another game off of Miami. If you really want to talk about it, it was really Miami that had a bad game uh, versus Philly Philly having a good game because Jimmy Butler is the only starter in double figures and Tyler Hero came off the bench, put up 14, but didn't shoot the ball that great. Um, they didn't get any contributions from Cal Lowry. Kalari literally scored zero points. Bam had nine. Tucker, four. Stroots, nine. And there was just zeros across the board. So I'm going to chalk this up as more of a bad game for Miami as opposed to a great performance by Philly. What do you think? Yeah. So first first of all, when there's no Embiid, obviously, like, the series is not going to have any appeal. And I think we've all, you know, we beat the dead horse on. We all understand what it is when it pertains to Harden and what not to expect, right? Although, you know, you have no Embiid, you're not watching it. So Embiid comes back. So that's what I want to talk about because Embiid came back, I started watching again. And what I realized is even though he didn't have the best game, number one, we all understand that superstars have gravity at the end of the day, right? So even if he's not playing well, like, the contribution that he's giving his teammates by just being out there is something that shouldn't be pushed under the rug because we understand that gravity exists when you're talking about certain players, right? And beating the post is drawing the double team, whether he's making the shots or not. The same way how you're going to be guarding Steph Curry on the three-point line, whether the shots are uh, dropping. So 
from that standpoint on offense, I was like, yeah, I can see how it's helping. Now on defense is the biggest thing because I don't have the I, I should have got the numbers on DeAndre Jordan in terms of what teams are <laughs> and it's not even about like offense because obviously like we're not looking for DeAndre for not even 1.5 points like if you went on bet 365 you're not even taking the two it's it's one of those that's actually so much facts I can't even <laughs> like it's one I of those I couldn't even like, do the over on two points so not exactly. even 1.5 on a 1.5 <laughs> you're not even you're going to say oh yeah let me stay away from this one you see what I'm saying <laughs> like, the it's a tricky one <laughs> <laughs> so so I don't even want to talk about offense but defensively DeAndre Jordan is so ass and it's one of those things where it's like he has been garbage for a very long time right a very long time now but teams keep bringing him in number one because he's been there done that even though the Clippers have really done anything to that degree but he's been a star player been an all-star all defense all of that so he's been there done that from that aspect and he's a big body so you would assume that seeing the man is out there seven foot tall, you know, he was once one of the most athletic bigs. You don't anticipate it falling off a cliff like that to where he can't do anything looking like Yao Ming, right? But the reality is he is horrid on defense. He doesn't he's one of those mans where it looks like they're always close to the block, but the block didn't happen and the shot went in, and you're like, damn, that's a tough shot. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. You the guys saying? that almost want the ball every time, but somehow, some way. But the ball is dropping, though. I'm not saying the ball's not dropping. The ball is dropping in the rim, but you're like, damn, he just missed that. Right? That is the definition of DeAndre Jordan. And then you you get to a man like Embiid now, and then we saw what happens. The the paint was on lock. A man like Bam Adebayo, I don't know what. Let me look up whatever he scored. But that man had no hope. Fam, he was out there, shooting. He was out there with no hope at all. Like he knew he had no business being in that paint when Joel Embiid is in that paint. And Joel is athletic enough to where he can actually move his feet if Bam wants to try any of those dribble handoffs and maybe you know drive or come off with a with a jumper. Nah, Embiid is gonna be there for you. So for me, it's like, yeah. Yeah, that is where the difference is. It's primarily on the defense. Now we're going to have to look to other players, i.e. Maxi is going to have to continue on offense. Tobias has been playing well. He didn't play well that game, but he has been playing well. And other people are hitting shots. Danny Green is hitting the shots. I don't know what happened. He's hitting the shots. We have to rely on those guys to continue to hold it down on offense, allow the pick and roll with Embiid and Harden, right, to open up the shots and hopefully that handles the offense. And if Embiid is going to be out there, I have confidence that we are able to guard this team because Jimmy Butler, nah, fam, I'm not afraid of him on offense. I understand that he's a different type of man when the playoffs are running, but at the same point, I know that at the end of the day, take the shots, fam, shoot it. Um, and then, bam, he doesn't really have a bag yet. And, Robs, he's your man, and you've been saying if, if Bam is able to do this or that, it's, it's not looking like he's ever going to have that type of an offensive game where you can say, go score. He's not there yet. So, Embiid is going to hold that down. 19 a game everybody, this year, I, I know that, but what I'm saying is, are you seeing him out there with the ability to just give him the ball and go get a bucket? No, Last here's the thing, playoffs, though. Here's no, the no, thing. but let me just say this before you go. Last playoffs... Brooke Lopez had that man looking extremely sorry. Extremely sorry. Now, Embiid is back, and the first time Embiid steps on the court, I'm seeing the exact same player that I saw last year. I don't care about the 19 points per game if playoffs roll around and you're the same guy. 
That's all I'm saying. I agree with you. Like when I when I originally said to start the season is that I thought this was going to be Bram Bam's breakout season, and he didn't really make much of a. He was injured. Let Let's put that out there. But like aside from injuries, he he didn't really have that much of a difference in terms of what he did before he got injured and after he got injured. He averaged about nineteen and ten the entire course of the season when he was actually playing. My thing about it is when I look at Bam and the reason why I thought that he can get to that level is because. When you look at centers, when you look at the center position outside of Joel Embiid, Gobert, Jokic, and maybe two other guys that you know rotate in and out, not too many centers are really out there and are focal points in an offense. They're usually there to anchor a defense or just be there to be a big body. Bam is mobile enough where I thought that he would, this would be the time where he's developed his skill to the point where he's able to take advantage of the, some of these bigger guys that are guarding him, have to guard him out to the perimeter. I saw the mid range, um, the mid range game develop. He's also a great defender. And I just thought that he'd be able to fully realize his talent and exploit guys that just frankly aren't as good as him in the position that we're talking about. Do I think Bam is a generational talent? I'm not quite as I'm not quite as confident to say that, but I do think that he's better than a lot of the guys that we have at the center position right now in today's game. With that being said, he didn't show up. And I'm going to give you credit because Joel B's defense is underrated. and it, it doesn't get talked about enough, but his presence alone leaves an impact on the game. The only reason why I say I don't have faith in them is because aside from his defense, I don't know if Joel's going to go out there and, and execute to the game plan that they had all year where he has to go out there and average 27 to 30 a game. Because right now, Harden doesn't look like he's doing anything. He's looking like he's stuck in mud. And I don't know how much times I'm going to put my faith in in in, in Danny Green. And and Maxi has proven me wrong to this point. But again, he's still a second-year player. Like it could, it could fall off at any time. And we know that. So... I'm not going to say that, oh my gosh, the 76ers are dead food, but I just don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to steal another game because to me, the anomaly is is the fact that no one else on Miami was able to score in game three. Literally no one else. Jimmy Butler averaged 33 and no one else got any other buckets. And maybe that was Philly's game plan. And if, they, if that was a game plan, they executed it to perfection. But I highly doubt that they're going to have another game where no other starter averages, not even averages, scores more than nine points. <laughs> Or has double figures. Like they're they're going to be able to get back to what works well for them. And if not, I firmly believe that Eric Spoltras is going to be able to make an adjustment move for it. Well, I'll just say this. Like when you're looking at Miami starters, Kyle Lowry, we know. Like it's are we still <laughs> looking for him to score? But zero? Like zero is different from not I'm, scoring. No, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying zero. I'm just saying like <clears throat> even if Kyle Lowry is on. What would we expect him to score in a playoff game? His wouldn't we 15? top out of like fifteen? Yeah, yeah, fifteen. Yeah, he's not. But that's but that's what I'm saying. If calorie is on, like if he's you know like if he's active out there, so I'm saying like yeah, calorie scores zero, and I don't expect him to score zero. But I also don't expect him to go out there getting buckets either. Max Strus, that's a shooter. The shot can come and go. So whatever the, whatever that is, at the end of the day, like he was he was three of eleven from deep. He could have hit one more three to give him more his averages, and now he's instead of nine points, twelve points. Well, you know where are we making up the buckets? For me, Bam Adebayo, it would we would have to look to him because. But as I said, Embiid is his, you know, his matchup, and then you have PJ Tucker, and again, that man will go zero points and feel zero ways, and I don't blame him. 
So for me, it's like, yeah, where where is the points coming from if that's the case? That's all I'm saying. But yeah, Make fair enough, on. fair enough. I didn't even know that Duncan Robinson didn't log a minute. This guy, Fam, yo, is listen ridiculous. to me. It's <laughs> listen to me. When it comes to that archetype, that three point shooter can't do nothing else. It's over for that. Between Bertans and Duncan Robinson, they yo, they, they, fam, they ruined it for the generations to come, fam. Ruined it. Just but I think it's also because they're not like J.J. Reddick guys. Like, nah, J.J. Reddick was doing it. Ruined it. Yo, but th- those guys were... Fam, we haven't seen a Duncan Rob. To be clear, J.J. never had a shooting like, dunk- like that Duncan Robinson, 45%. That's all he shot. Fam, he took one, like, he took, like, one two-point shot a game. Every other shot was a three. And it was 45%. Like, he was supposed to be a marksman to the highest degree, fam. Highest degree. Which and is the man went. the man went to shit. Bertans took 80 millions off a of man's and went to shit. <laughs> like, nah, fam. It's over for that, for, for that uh, archetype now. It's a shame. Yeah, it's definitely over. And his contract's lengthy. Like, it's not... It's not. Fam, close it's a four-year deal. <laughs> it's a four-year deal. It's not close to being done whatsoever. And these mans aren't even playing him a minute? Holy. They can't. They really can't. You can't guard anybody out there. If Maxi's going for 32 on, on shoes, imagine what he'd do to a guy like Duncan Robinson. And Harden, as bad as we think he may be, he'd be licking his lips if he's seen Duncan Robinson out there. <laughs> but, fam, what, what's crazy is that the man that they have starting over him is the man that's doing the exact same thing that he should be doing. I never understood why they don't just start Hero. Well, no, nah, they need scoring off the bench. I get they that, but it. then why are you signing guys like Oladipo if he can't fill a bench starting a uh, bench well, score? Yo, fam, we already know Oladipo. I didn't realize Oladipo is like thirty plus. Yeah, he came. He, he wasn't a freshman when fam, he came out of college. He's thirty one. He's a junior. I'm thinking that he was like twenty eight. Like Remember. he had time to like turn this thing around. Like Remember I don't know how many teams that guy's been on. He started in Orlando. Then he went, then to, he went um, to Pacers. That was Pacers. It. Then he went to Houston. Then all those years he's been hurt. Then he was in OKC for a bit. Like he didn't, he's been yeah, around. Yeah, he went, he, he's what is it, 14? No, nah, more than that. It's probably his fifth. Because he's been Rockets, Pacers, Orlando, oh, OKC. He was a <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm talking? He's been around. He's been around past round. I think so. I remember I remember vividly Oladipo. <laughs> I started playing fantasy basketball the year Oladipo got drafted. And I, I consider myself a veteran in the fantasy basketball team. So that just says that. But uh, moving forward, let's talk about the other series, man. Uh, we got the... Let's talk about the Suns and the Mavericks. Right now, as it currently stands, the Mavericks, they're playing well, right? They're playing well. They just stole the game off of Phoenix, uh, but Phoenix still leads the series 2-1. I don't know how this is happening. If you would have told me five years ago that Jason Kidd would have been doing a good coaching job in a playoff series with the level of talent on this Dallas roster, I would have told you that you're an idiot. Because I don't know how he's able to get the production he's getting out of some of these guys. Because these guys are literal no-name guys. I'll go back to it again. Maybe I'm just a bit lower on Brunson than everybody else, but how is Brunson going out for 28? That, that, that That doesn't math out to me. Like, Luca's going to be Luca no matter what you do. And then Finney Smith, the guy that I thought was one-dimensional, didn't shoot the ball amazingly, but still went out there and put up 14, Bullock 15. Like To me, everybody on this roster outside of Doncic is like a 7th to 8th, 7th to 10th man on any other good team. But for whatever reason, Bros. they're able to maximize their talent and come together. You've been saying, and I don't this know. For three, fam, you've been saying this for three years now. You're not tired? I, but you see, the thing is, 
I know history, yeah, fam, and I'm not gonna I'm not to gonna make tired, a blip fam. change my opinion. This is not supposed to happen. You have to be tired, bro. You have to be tired because yo, what I'm that's what I'm trying to say to you. The first year when they were doing this, I right, cool, you were saying it, but you know, you can't really say nothing because you know it's the first year of Lucas and his first year or whatever. Second year when they had the all-time greatest offense at that point in time before Jokic went crazy. But at that point in time, they had the greatest offensive rating the NBA has ever seen. Right? And I'm saying to you, well, I understand that guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Seth Curry, or I don't even know if Seth Curry was on team at that point, but, you know, hard Tim Hardaway Jr., whoever the randoms were, Dwight Powell before he went out with the ACL. You know, even though I can say that they're randoms, at the same point, I can't not say that they're consequential just because of their name, because they're in a system that is producing to levels that we haven't seen before. Now you come again this year and you're doing it again. Like, what do you mean you can't believe that this guy is scoring or that guy is scoring? Or I just don't understand happening? it. Fine, like, I'm not denying it. I just don't it. understand it. Yeah, but to me, it's like there's nothing to understand no more. Like, you just have to chalk it up as Luca being Luca. then. If you only if you want to put it to be saying the same way how, you know, Jokic can get any offense a click, just give him a ball, five guys, he'll go get you a top 10 offense. Just say that's the same thing with Luca, and then everything's blessed. You see what I'm saying? I'm not denying that. But my thing is, if, okay, so here's the thing. Maybe I'm underestimating how good Luca actually is because... For me, like you could put superstar players in positions with decent talent, and my expectation of of superstar is you need to be at least in the conversation for a playoff team. Like if I if you have, if I'm co- quoting you as a superstar player or one of the guys that we value in the NBA, you have to be able to bring me to the playoffs or at least in the conversation every single year. But the fact that you're able to take guys that I legitimately believe would not be playing on some other teams in the NBA and and maximize them to the point where they're contributing and you guys are beating the number one team in the league. Like, to me, again, I just don't understand it. It's confusing. I'm going to have to accept it. And I maybe have to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate how I'm looking at guys like Brunson, uh, Maxi Kleber, Dorian Finney-Smith, and maybe even Luka to some extent. But I just don't understand it. And if Luka really is that good, then I think that we need to really start holding the Dallas Mavericks general manager accountable because if he's able to bring these guys this far you need to start putting some talent around the guy because at that point you're wasting his his championship years because if Lucas yeah. really doing this with with Dorian Finney Smith as his right hand man imagine you put a competent guy that's not KP and has some life in his legs beside him imagine what he could actually do Lucas talent yeah, is, is failing hey, in comparison to man. some of these other guys I don't know if Dallas is able to do it because I, I don't believe that they have many picks but I would if we're able to get Gobert. I don't know how we would be able to do it, but if we're able to go get Gobert, I'm down. A Rudy and Gobert combo? That's fire to me. That's, that's absolutely fire to me. So it's like, at the end of the day, man, the, the certain players, we've seen this from them. Certain players are an offense onto themselves, right? Whatever the term, heliocentric player. But this is my beef when I and it comes full circle over back to my guy Gobert. This is my beef because we only want to praise that type of player, but nobody ever wants to go over there and praise the same player like a Gobert doing it on defense, right? He is making the system on his own. You can throw out whoever on that defense. 
Conley at 38 <laughs> or whatever he actually thing is. And, and whoever, Bogdanovich, you know, all of them. Throw whoever, top 10 offense. But getting back to the same the series, though, I honestly felt, you know, coming out of that Suns versus Pelicans, I felt like Dallas had a chance, right? I felt like Dallas had a chance to push it to seven and then win in seven. But I watched the first two games, and what I will say is that, listen, Chris Paul is one of the clutchest players I've ever seen in my life since I started watching basketball. Like, since I put my eyes on basketball, Mm. he's literally one of the clutchest players I've ever seen in my life. And it comes to the point where that game two that he had was just a masterpiece. It was like he couldn't miss. And I keep, and I said it before on other podcasts, and I'll say it again. That pull-up mid-range jump shot is just so ridiculous. Like, when, when I tell my kids about, oh, yeah, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had one of the most unstoppable shots, but that was before my day. But you know the shot i seen? Chrissy, have you ever seen Chris Paul in the fourth? <laughs> like, that's what it is at this point. The real point. closeout? <laughs> that's what it is with Chris Paul, fam. Have you seen Chris Paul when the quarter goes fourth quarter? The man will not miss a mid-pull-up, fam. It's ridiculous. And all mans know he wants to get to that spot. Every man in the gym knows. And still he gets there, and still it's just money, bro. It's just clean. Like, it's ridiculous. So, for me, it's like Dallas is going to be able to throw things at them. They Luka is too big. The only issue I'm having with Luka is that, and it's the same thing in years past with him as well. And I've been talking for a minute, so I'm going to pass it off to you. But I'll say this. Luka in the first quarter and the second quarter, let's say the first half is a different Luka from the second half. And it's been happening. It's been happening. The man comes out in the first half, killing, just killing, like killing man. You can't check him. I don't care if it's Kawhi. I don't care if it's PG. I don't care if it's Mikhail Bridges in, in the defense of the year. I don't care who it is. I'm cooking you in that first half. The man comes out in the second half and he can't move. He can't move. Bro, in game two, what they did to Luka on defense was absolutely bullying. It was bullying for him. Because they realized that the man couldn't move anymore the way he's tired. And they said, fam, we are going to beat you down into submission today. To the point where Luca couldn't even sit down anymore in a defensive stance. Just had man's walking pat right past him. He was done. He was done for. So because of that, I don't think that Luca's in there for the long haul with this series. That's when your, your, your things become right. Because when Luca has to do everything, and he can't do it physically, he gets tired, <laughs> he's not even fit enough to do that, that's when you need other people you can give the ball to and say, all right, let me give Luca some rest, and you guys go make your own shot instead of Luca doing it for you. I agree, and I think you hit it right on the head. It's all about the usage. I think he, the problem with Luca is that... This is my opinion. This is my opinion, and it's not supported by many facts, but I'm just going to put it out there. I don't think Luca's in the best shape of his life. I don't think this is final stage Mojinbu Dragon Ball Z version of Luka. Like, I don't think that's what it is. He has a ways to go in terms of getting his physique to where it needs to get to support the type of usage that Dallas wants him to use, to have. Him having this type of usage and having that type of body doesn't equate. Because realistically speaking, every high usage player, I'm not talking about just like above average, like I'm talking about top tier number one usage guys are real athletes. 
even if he, the worst athlete we've seen that had that type of usage was James Harden. And that's a once in a generation type of player. When Westbrook but was James doing Harden, it, yo, James Harden really only looked fat back in the day. But he was like, an athlete. On his, nah, nah, but yeah, nah. But I'm, I'm, he was James Harden. He wasn't like a big guy. You know, like he, he just looked like it. Like, but right? nah, he wasn't. But even Luca is big. Like, nah, Luca's uh, that's lumber. What I'm that, he's that's big. Luca's issue. Like, it, he looks like he's carrying too much. That's what it looks like. It looks like he has man titties bouncing when he's running up and down. Like, <laughs> he's not. He's not trimmed. When Westbrook was doing those type of things in OKC, that was an athlete trimmed. Bron, same yeah, all thing. Of those guys, he's not that LeBron, guy. like it's all like the, the heliocentric man's like that are all freaks, fam. Like when you start getting to like the six five plus and you're playing like that, you're just a freak in nature. And Luca's not that type of freak athletically, still. which is why he's going to need help. But we'll see how it transitions. I I, I do want to speak briefly on Phoenix because again, I like Phoenix and. I'm probably going to pick them to go past this series. I think they wrap it up in six, if I'm being honest. My only thing about Phoenix that I don't like is I don't like the fact that... This is going to sound bad, but like I feel like Devin Booker comes and goes, right? And yeah, 18 points isn't bad, but this is a similar situation I felt like LeBron was struggling with in, in, in Cleveland. Like I feel like Chris Paul wants to pass the torch. And I'm not saying that Devin Booker's not doing it, but like... When are we going to be able to say Devin Booker is one of those guys? To say, every night I need you to go out here and be the guy. And I just, I don't see it from him every single night. And I know people are going to say, well, he's going to be an all-NBA player and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. But it's second fiddle energy to me. <laughs> this is sideman energy to me. It looks to me like Devin Booker is okay following Chris Paul's lead and, and, and filling in the gaps. When you really should be taking the charge. And saying, this is how I'm going to dictate the game every single night. And I don't see that energy from Devin Booker. And maybe that's too much to ask from a guy like Devin Booker. But again, if we're going to introduce him into the conversation of all NBA players and guys that are supposed to be the guys in the NBA, top 15 players, then I need to see that from Devin Booker every night. And it's not even about the points. The fact that you you just said it a minute ago, Chris Paul in the fourth is taking and doing what he needs to do as the guy of the team. I don't see that energy from Devin Booker. And I don't know if he's ever going to have that type of energy. And this is what worries me because as Chris Paul gets older, I don't know if Devin Booker's game is going to change to become that guy. I think once Chris Paul, we see that decline really start to happen, they're going to have a void. And how are they going to fill that void? I don't know. But I don't know if Devin Booker has a, has a feet to fill those shoes. Which sounds really, really, really bad. But I'd be hard-pressed. to if, you, if you're telling me that Devin Booker is going to be an All-NBA player... And you're questioning whether or not he could be the best player on his team. To me, that's a problem. Because there's no reason why Chris Paul should be the best player on the team. You could say he's the leader, See, blah, blah, okay, blah. But there's but no reason. No, no. But let me push back. Because this is the thing, right? Just because you're not the leader of the team. And by the way, we sh- we wouldn't even be expecting anybody to be a leader of a team when you have Chris Paul anyways. Like, this is, you know, potentially the greatest point guard ever. And we understand no, already. not going that far. <laughs> no, no, but... But this is potentially. I'm. am talking about for some mans. For some mans, obviously it wouldn't be me. You already know my stance on Chris Paul with, with no chips. I'm saying, but I, I'm saying it wouldn't be me. But I'm saying potentially for like some mans out there, like this okay. is a point guard that they hold. Yeah, maybe they'll just slot Magic in to slot him in. But after that, I'm talking about modern point guards. This is probably for some mans. He's better than Chris Paul, right? No, than uh, Stephen Curry, right? So. But what what I'm trying to say is, Chris Paul is going to lead your team. We all understand that. 
So just because Chris Paul is the leader of the team doesn't mean that Devin Booker hasn't been taking strides because in my opinion, he has. And what I'm saying by that is like, for example, when LeBron James is leading the charge in Miami, right? Dwayne Wade openly said it's his team, right? Was Dwayne Wade still not an all-NBA player? But th- that's a bit of a different situation, though, because Dwayne no, no, was I'll, a guy I'll, before I'll get, I'll get an next man. I'll get an next man. Kawhi Leonard is the leader of the Clippers. We all know that he is the best player on the Clippers. Right. Was Paul George not an all-NBA player? Yeah, but he's a sideman. You're but never going to be comfortable. NBA, but, he, but he's an all-NBA player. No, I agree, but you're never comfortable with Paul George being your guy, the number one guy. Bam. We. Are the Clippers not comfortable with it? Were they, were they not comfortable with it this year on, on, on in, in the beginning of the year? Because Kawhi's hurt. They had no other choice. But if they had a choice, oh, nobody's going out there and saying Paul George is my guy. Number one guy. But he he was a number one guy in two places before before you're, you're saying this right and now. And then he became he a second number one fiddle. guy in the Pacers. Okay. For, it doesn't even matter about the number one or number two. You're saying that you're not comfortable with calling Devin Booker an all-NBA player, even though you do it in every single no, other no, no, instance no, no. You're mistaking all the, my all the point. You're mistaking my point. I'm not saying that I'm not comfortable being calling him an NBA, all-NBA player because I understand not all and all all-NBA players are number one guys. What I'm saying is, is when people like to introduce him into the conversation of being one of those guys, one of the Lucas, the, the guys that we know to be the next Sam, the leader of the generation. I'm not. I'm not even going to cap to you. I haven't heard that convo. I heard people introducing talking about him. He should be in the same conversation as guys like Luca. Nah, I haven't heard. And that. Ja, when those are those guys are really going out, they're doing it nah, for themselves. Nah. Yo, maybe, maybe you're, you're 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 you know packing it in with the MVP conversations, even though those came late for a reason because he was never supposed to be in the conversation. But maybe you're trying to you're you're remembering it through that lens because I have never heard anybody say that. Booker should be spoken about the same way we talk about Luca. Like that's ridiculous. I've I've heard it in NBA Reddit. I've heard it on multiple podcasts where it's people are now stuff. all of a sudden putting Devin Booker in a whole new echelon, talking about him like he's one of these guys that are now up and coming. He's gonna be a leader of the next generation in terms of talent. I'm just like, when did this when did this this switch flip for for Devin Booker? Because I don't remember it. Granted, he has made strides since those dark days in Phoenix. Do not get me wrong, he has become a way better player. And it may not necessarily just be from scoring. Like overall, I think he's become a better player. But I'm not throwing him into the category of certain guys just for the sake of the fact that he's now on a good team. That's my opinion. That's how I look at it. I could be wrong, but that's how I'm looking at it. And I just don't agree with those type of talks. But let's transition because we got two more matches and a couple of things we want to talk about. So let's get into the Celtics and the Bucks. Uh devastating loss. Um, for the Celtics, they now down two one to Milwaukee. Uh, they lost the last game by two off a buzzer. I don't even know what you want to call it. If Hal Horford was a buzzer beater, tip in whatever you want to call it. Um, this is, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be quick and I'll pass it to you. If the Celtics can't pass the Bucks with no Chris Middleton, I don't think they can go next year with the same roster. Because Giannis, to me, isn't going anywhere, and that Milwaukee team is only going to get better, if not stay the same. So how do they get better if they can't beat a Chris Middleton-less Bucks? Because he can't beat because he because he can't beat uh, Giannis. But that, that's my point. They can't go into next year if if Fam, Giannis is going to hold down the nah, East like LeBron was doing it for years. Then they uh, need to do something to the drawing board. That's what. But no, no, and that's what I'm going to say to you. What, what? How can you solve a problem that is unsolvable? Because right now. Celtics have the personnel to do it. If you can't beat Giannis, 
right now. What who, who else can who else are you gonna are you gonna bring to the table for this? I there's, don't have an answer. This this is literally the team. This is the team that is that is going to stop Giannis. There's no other team. This is the team. I can't think of any other person that has a guy like Al Horford, a guy like Rob Williams to come on the weak side for the help, a guy like Jason Tatum. We just saw we just lauded him for what he did to the phony best player in the game we just did it we just said oh my gosh Jason Tatum he's the same guy he hasn't changed right the opponent has that's what changed right so it's like for me nah 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 yo sometimes in in basketball and we just saw it with LeBron sometimes you run up into a player into a person you just can't be he's better than you and that's okay (laughs) See, it's no, hard, I agree with the first part of that sentence, not the second. You can't just sit down there as an organization fam, and say that's okay. The, you have to try as, something. As a, but, but, Rob, as a Celtics, what do you do? I don't like, have that answer name, for you. Name a player that where you... not the answer. But what... Fam, if I can't go anywhere, if me losing, what am I going to lose? Like, if me... Okay, me losing is going to say your gain, right? In the sense of this, right? I'm going to have to lose a player. So, like, I lose... I trade Rob Williams and get Gobert, or I you know, move Al Horford and I get whoever, right? But to me, those, they they will never improve on the type of personnel group that they have to go up against Giannis. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But you see, I'm not disagreeing with so you. So why not just stay with your mans and just hope next year is a better result? Because what I'm saying is if we're... Hope, if you, hope a next man does the miracle. I get that, but you can't, you can't hinge your fate on a next man. You have to look at your but team internally. But what I'm saying is you could look at Giannis, Giannis and say, you know what? This is giving me nostalgia of, or this is reminiscent of when LeBron was in the East and the Raptors couldn't get through or the Bulls couldn't get through. Like, If he's going to hold down the conference like that, then you need to look at your team and say, hey, I can't afford to be paying X amount of money in luxury tax and giving out super max contracts and whatever whatnot is on the way if we can't get past this guy. And again, it's not an easy answer. It's probably not even a quick fix of just get this guy and it's going to bring you over the hump. But what I am telling you is that an organization, from an organizational perspective, I can't sit down there and look myself in the face and say, I'm cool with just staying stagnant because this guy's too good. It what doesn't work like to, that. But what's there to do? And again, I don't have the answer for you right on here now, but the general manager should be <laughs> going to the whiteboard. And dissecting everything and saying, this is where we can get better. But this is what I'm saying. Like, we have to start moving as if general managers are some kind of wizards of Waverly places and they can just wave a goddamn wand and then the the situation is fixed. If you are sitting there thinking to yourself, if I'm the general manager, what can I do? And you're coming up with absolutely nothing, no answers, can't think of anything. And you call yourself somebody who is attuned to the sport, who is a true fan of the sport, and who has criticized general managers over and over and over again because you feel like you would have made a better decision in that moment at that time, right? This is who you are, and you can't get an answer. Now, we are turning to the man saying, how do we beat Giannis when we already have a team that is perfectly constructed to beat Giannis. And Giannis is without his number two, and we still can't get it done. The so reason what is why I'm saying do? that, the reason why I'm saying that is because as I currently sit down here, I could tell you generally what they what I think they should do, but I don't I don't have enough information right now readily available about the cap, about the picks, about this, this, and that. What I'm saying is if I'm paying the general manager 
millions of dollars, you need to cook something up. Coming to me, if I'm president of whatever organization, whatever group owns Boston Celtics, and you're coming to my door telling me we can't do anything because this team is built as best it could possibly be, that's not good enough. That's not good enough in the corporate world. That's not good enough in any business that but, you work but, but, but Robs, in. But you can't Robs, do that. You're, well, then you're just going to keep firing mans every every. No, it's not about years. firing mans. It's no, about that's working. That's what would happen. I don't that's think it's about firing mans. Because you're fam. But mans, yo, bro, like when LeBron was going to eight straight finals appearances, <laughs> eight straight in one conference, eight times in a row, fam, what am I supposed to do? There's nothing I can possibly do. Like, obviously. This man is just so much better. Eight straight? It can't be my fault. I'm not How saying, is it my fault? Don't internalize the, 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 the problem. Don't take it upon yourself. Say the problem is but, mine. But, 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 yo, try to address but, it, though. But fam, if I tell you that, there, I, I tell you this is a problem, and the problem is un, unsolvable because it's LeBron James, See, and he's he is going to eight. In a, okay, like one, two, and three, as he went to his three finals in a row, I fine, whatever, right? Let's see if we can make something happen here. But once a man touches six in a row, you don't look at yourself and you just say, well, we'd have to hope that he's just not LeBron James next year. I feel That's like it. I feel like the minute that you 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 submit to the fact that your team is not good enough and you're not willing to do anything to try and improve is is a team that you is it a year that you are no longer considering yourself competitive. I, I don't see how you can go out there confidently and say we're competing for something that we have no realistic expectation of doing. Because to me, that tells me if a man is going to six straight finals, you have no realistic expectation of going to the finals. So <laughs> but why, but it's why real. are you then paying millions of dollars you know, to these players? No, you pay your millions of dollars because hopefully somebody <laughs> nah. else does the miracle. <laughs> nah, Chris, so, man. There's that's, no that's what way. You, yo, You're telling I, yo, me you're listen, putting faith I'm in the next I'm team I'm and not yourself. Nah, yo, but yo, I, I'm a want. This is one of those things where you will tell a man, yo, comment below. Because I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to hear if, if any other man has this, this same sentiment. Because to me, it's like, bro. When you'll get certain players that just show you I'm not losing. And then when you run up into those mans, it's just like, all right, he's not losing. So why am I going to be, you know, chasing something that's unattainable? That's just futile. Like nah, I don't that's see futile. That if I'm the Celtics, and I'm not even saying that I don't try and get better, but I'm not trying to get better expecting that number one, I am going to get better because I believe they have a pretty damn good team over there that's set up to do something like this already they just can't and number two i'm just going to get better to hopefully play someone else that's it that's it that's, that's where we disagree that I, that I play somebody else and <laughs> no, you know push comes to shove i i only have to see him in the conference finals like boston kept having to do and hopefully i get close enough to steal one out to steal it and he got close, but then LeBron said, nah. Like, that's my point. That's where we they disagree. To, they I'm went to the fourth there. quarter up on LeBron to go to the finals, game seven, and still lost. Like, what am I to what am I to do, man? Just tip your head. I'm 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 not definitely not. I'm not I'm not being complacent, but let's transition to the next series. So we got that probably the most interesting series that's going on right now. We have the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies going at one another. Um, 142 to 112 was a result of the last game in Golden State's favor. They're now currently leading the series 2-1. But before I go any further, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give Jaron Jackson the 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 blame because I feel like we've talked about this too much. And he didn't even foul that much last game. So I want to get off of that. I want to beat a dead horse. 
I said this before, and we can timestamp it. Golden State, sorry, Memphis is only as good as they can score. I've said this before. The minute that they cannot score the ball is the point that they lose. They struggle to score the ball consistently. This is why when teams go on a run, it's not that they're playing bad defense. Other teams just start hitting shots. When they can't score, they, they can't keep up pace. And to me, when I look at the construction of this roster, I said it before, it doesn't look like there's a lot of guys that I can really go out there and say, hey, go and create a shot. Because even guys like Desmond Bain, he's not a typical guy that you'd want having the ball or having a high usage. He could do a one-two when needed, but that's not the best thing for his game. Obviously, we have guys like Jaron Jackson that aren't real shot creators. They have a lot of guys masquerading is what I'm trying to get out into. Other than Ja, they don't really have a lot of guys that can do much with the ball in their hands and be effective at that. And then Golden State does. Steph Curry dropped 30, Clay dropped 29, and Clay was looking real smooth off the ball. He was looking like he put the ball on the floor a little bit, which I didn't see in years past, but maybe that's just me. But then, yeah, they also had Wiggins going off. Kaminga came in and chipped in 18. Poole came off and had a party, had 27 off the bench. So, like, it, it, it's not looking good for Memphis just for the simple fact that they're not going to be able to score. And they can go out there and try. Jock can go out there and average 40 for the series. As I said again, it's not really going to make that much of a difference because when the buckets of the other members are not falling, you're not going to score. 40 points out of 120 is, is still not enough. You're going to need to find a, another way to supplement the 80 points. So it's going to be hard for them. Um, but let me get your take on the series and then we'll dig into the to the controversy that everybody's talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a similar sentiment uh, to you in the sense that that's the issue with, with Memphis. It's a, it's a fact that no one else on that team can get a bucket. Everything is relying on Ja. And at some point, it just gets too much. Like at some point it's too much and, and there's, you're going to end up with a game where you're slow. Like I do believe that draws are to be able to steal one more game out. Um, but I, at the end of it, I think it's going to be ending in six just because, you know, Bain was on fire in the last series. He got that injury in game one. Hasn't been the same since. And then you look at Jaren Jackson Jr. Had that big game in game one that got wasted. And, and those are the ones you, that hurt. Like you, you never want to lose games where, players like Jaren Jackson Jr. go crazy because you know those will only come, you know, <laughs> they're far they're they're far and few between. So if you get another one of those, it's like, wow, that's crazy. He's giving you another one. So it's hard to 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 lose that first one. But I just feel like they it's it's a twofold. They can't score. And then when you have an offense like Golden State on the other side, you know, it's just tough. It's tough because you have Jordan Poole, who is still on a heater, by the way. He hasn't slowed down. He's still giving you big numbers. Another 27 uh, last night. You have Curry, who is not Curry, as we've been saying, but at the same time, he is still Steph Curry in the sense that he's still the best three-point shooter in the game, even in, in, even in his downtime. And he can still draw attention like no other. But, you know, if Clay's going to go and join the party as well, and this is what I've been saying about Clay in the sense that and, and and what I realized that it really is, it's a shot selection. That man shoots anything in from anywhere at any time, no matter the circumstance, no matter if you have rebounders under the rim, no matter if you have your entire team hasn't come back yet, like he's just gonna let it fly. It's it's and it gets ugly when he when he's not making it. But he made it last game and they got blown out. So for me it's gonna be can you slow down Steph Curry? That's what you have to do. Are you able to slow down Steph Curry? And they were not because they lost out on Brooks and we'll talk about him. But 
you know, they lost him. So Steph Curry was basically able to roam free because there's nobody else that has that type of motor that's willing to run around like that, like a crazy person. And I, honestly, I think that's Brooks's best skill. But um, he'll be back. So I, I would still take Memphis to win game four. Um, but then I, I see Golden State going back over to Memphis and taking that one again and then closing it out in six when they get back home. Yeah, I'm still. I I would take Memphis, but to, I'm not sure what to what extent Jaw is really injured. Um, and I, I guess that's a perfect segue into the into the whole dirty player conversation because that's the going theme around the NBA right now, or going conversation around the NBA community right now is what is considered a dirty player. And I'll, I'll give a bit of context for those that aren't too aware. Um, early in the series, we had Dylan Brooks um, made a play. I'll, I'll call it that for now because I don't want I, don't, I want to stay neutral. He made a play um, to stop a basket against Gary Payton the third, and it looked pretty bad. It actually resulted in him I think fracturing his elbow, and he's now out for I think three weeks. And then in this most recent game, we've seen Jordan Poole also make a play, and it resulted in John Morant um, having a knee injury. To what extent we don't know just yet. Now, the conversation is whether or not. Brooks is a dirty player, whether or not Poole's a dirty player based on what they did. And here's my take, and I'll pass it to you, Chris, because I want to hear what you have, what your thoughts are. To me, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Because we play basketball, things happen. It's a contact sport. Although it's not as physical as something like football, it's still a contact sport. You're still up in people's personal areas. You're still bumping and going up and doing whatever you need to do to get a basket. It's a contact sport. So I'm always giving somebody the benefit of the doubt when it comes to them being considered a clean player. What happens to me is once I see that first instance of you doing something that may be borderline dirty or definitively dirty, then I keep my eye out. And then I'll start watching you with a little bit of a closer lens to say, okay, is this guy actually a dirty player? And I'll give you an example. This started back when I was watching, um, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking right now. I'm blank right now. Blank right now. Was it Draymond? No, I'm blanking right now. I forget the player's name, but there was a player and basically he had made a play and it was borderline dirty, but I didn't really consider it dirty. And I'm going to remember the player's name later on. I, I'm just having a, uh, a brain fart right now. But from that play, every game that I watched, I watched it almost with a different lens now because now I'm looking and say, okay, is this guy tugging on your jersey? Is this guy doing little sneaky things? What is he doing? Let me let me really pay attention to what's going on right now. And once I did that, I realized that, hey, this guy's kind of a dirty player. But again, anybody in the league could technically be a dirty player. But if you're not watching with the right lens, in my opinion, you're never really going to notice that. And it always takes that first instance for you to kind of change the way that you look at a player and say, okay, let me just make sure I'm keeping an eye out. And I think that's the case with Dylan Brooks. I think this is the first instance where I've actually personally noticed that he's made a play that was quote unquote dirty. And... Moving forward, I'm going to kind of have to pay attention to say, hey, what's this guy doing? Same with Jordan Poole. Although I firmly believe what Jordan Poole did is in the nature of the game. I don't think he did anything malicious. But I'm still now probably going to have to keep an eye out. And I have all faith that Jordan Poole is going to prove me wrong. But I'm still going to kind of turn my eye and be like, okay, what's really going on? How is this guy playing the game of basketball? And I think that's how it goes with dirty players. I don't think anybody can definitively call somebody a dirty player off of one play. I think you need... Um, a series of examples to really definitively call somebody dirty because that's a big label and we know who the real dirty players are and they're just to lump guys that make accidents or make um, basketball moves that result in injuries one of those guys it's kind of wild like I would never throw Dylan Brooks in the same conversation with Draymond that was going around kicking guys in nuts like you know what I mean 
Like that to mm-hmm. me, that just doesn't make sense. What's your take? For me, when I look at it, I always look at it through the lens of, and again, like I played basketball and, and that's what I really based these things off of. But I look at it through the lens of, did you know or should you have known better in that situation, right? Because I think there's a clear distinction between a dirty player and a scrappy player. For example, Chris Paul is scrappy, but he does things that are also dirty. So he's a dirty player to me. Whereas a guy like Joe Ingles, I think that he's just a scrappy player. He'll pull on your jersey. He'll do whatever, all of that. But it's never done in, a, in, in an attempt that either goes too far or in a, does any type of action that could directly hurt the other player. So I say that to say when I look at you know a guy like Dylan Brooks, the reason why I'm saying that he is a dirty player is twofold because I, yes, he is scrappy. Like he racks up the most fouls out of anybody else. Like he's in top five every single year and fouls drawn every single year. Right. And it's because he's always pulling, he's tugging, he's holding, he's doing all of that. Right. But this is the second time now where I've seen him do something where I'm saying to myself, nah, you knew what you were doing when you did this and you just didn't care. Him that on that chase down attempt, I'm telling you, you know when if you can get that ball or if you cannot get that ball. Because how many times do we see other players when they get in that situation, when they're just about to jump, they say, forget it. I'm not getting there. All right, you can have it, right? I've had that experience many times as a player that played center, never had that type of bounce like that. So I've been in a position where I'm chased down in the man, whether it be in an actual game where I'm, I'm hooping with the man that I'm at LA or whatever. I know I'm not getting that ball. You know what I am going to end up getting? His head, his neck, his shoulder, no way. his back. It, like I'm going to end up hitting. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not, no, I'm not saying I'm going there to, to okay, get that. Okay, I'm okay, saying okay. that if I were to jump, that that's what I would end up be getting. So I'm saying forget it. I'm not going to go in and try that play because I'm not going to get the objective of the game, the ball. But is that I'm in hindsight or is that in the moment, though? That's like, in, the moment. That in the moment. That's what I'm, no, fam, I know that in the moment I'm not getting the ball. So I stop the same way how we see it every other time on a fast break. It's not because players, they're lazy or whatever the case may be. Nah, they know I'm not getting that ball, so I'm not going to try. Dylan Brooks knew goddamn well he's not getting that ball. He knew. And he did it anyways. So that's a dirty play. And I've seen Brooks do other things where I'm saying to myself, he should have known He should have known better. You should have known better. And for me, it's not a three-strike rule. It's two strikes for me. Like, if I see you do something twice and I'm saying, nah, and and don't let it be something like Zaza Pachulia, what he did to, to Kawhi Leonard. You're a yeah, dirty yeah. player. Yeah. You're a dirty player. I I only need to see that one that one instance, and I'm saying nah, fam. For your brain to even say I'm going to do this, you're a dirty player. Okay, so let me ask you a question. I'll give you a couple examples, and you let's let's run through a couple examples that are are pretty notable. You tell me whether or not you think the player is a dirty player. So I'll go back to when the Cavs are facing the Celtics in the playoffs, and Kelly Olynyk basically put Kevin ripped Love off in the Kevin Love's shoulder. Ripped is that a dirty play? That's a dirty player, fam. You know why? <laughs> Give him the arm bar, You know what you're doing, fam. You know it. Mid-game arm bar? actually took the man's hand under, fam, and then twisted into his shoulder. Okay. Like, 
you know exactly what you're doing. And if you don't, you're you're absolutely an idiot. And that's what I would say to these players. Oh, I wasn't trying to do that. Then you're just a goddamn fool. So what about, <laughs> uh, did you watch the Celtics game last yesterday? When when Giannis jumped up on thing? No, I was going to say when Wesley Matthews basically dived on the out, on out-of-bounds play. Yeah, those plays, it, similar to what um, uh, my man did, similar to what my man off of Hawks did, can't remember his name, um, when he dived into, I think, something Hawks, whatever, but he dived into LeBron. Um, there was people who were saying it wasn't dirty, he was going for the ball. I think diving plays are always hard because oftentimes like you feel like if you don't dive, the other person is going to dive and then they'll get the ball. Mm. Um, and then certain certain players truly feel like they can go and get it. The next guy feels that, nah, that is a risk that I'm not willing to take. And then, you know, um, things happen. So I think those ones are more accidental more than anything. Yeah, it's, I again in, in particular, like when we're speaking specifically about Dylan Brooks, I'm treading lightly just because I can honestly say I I don't watch. I've watched Memphis basketball enough, but I guess I'm not watching to see whether or not he's actually a dirty player. I know he fouls a lot, but I never really consider that dirty. So this is really nah, the Rocking first strike frame for me. Dirty, yeah, yeah, this I'm is really the that, first but... strike for me. So again, from now on, I'm I'm gonna keep my eye out because the worst thing I think you can be labeled in in the NBA is a dirty player. Especially if you're not good. <laughs> because yeah, if you're, you're good, good at a dirty player... When, when you're good, people don't care. Chris right. Paul, oh, yeah, he's... Or Embiid. He's, he's, he's dirty, but, like, you know... <laughs> yeah, he's good. It is what it is. <laughs> if he's good. If, if you're bad and you're running around like Grayson Allen, you're going to get your shit rocked. Yeah, Grayson Allen, man. Holy... You know what I'm saying? Like... If I'm Grace, if I play with Grayson Allen, like, I probably have to, like, make sure I'm double-checking the blind, the blind view mirror because that guy, to me, like, strikes fear in my eyes, like... I, I don't yeah, feel like Grayson, jumping around that guy. <laughs> yo, listen, Grayson Allen is just lucky. Like he's lucky he's in a he he's playing at this time. Like he's just lucky. Like he's playing this era of basketball where mans are not allowed to really walk upon you and just let it ring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mans aren't allowed up. to squabble. Yeah, mans aren't allowed to squabble out there. So he's lucky. And this is one of those times where I hate when mans go, "Oh, you can't do that in football, or you can't do that anywhere else." Nah, fam, he's lucky, bro. Because, like, these type of dirty plays, you're running around like, yo, a man will actually take your block off. No cap. I'm telling you. Like, lay you out. Like, have you moving, like, hospitals the only place you're leaving to after this? Like, so, nah. And that's why I read it. Like, he's lucky. When uh, Jones Jr. dealt with him a little, you know, give him a little <laughs> light one. That was light. He should have <laughs> got much worse. Much, much worse. I know what I'm saying. I, 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 I mean, we still have guys in the league that are willing to run up on you. Like, I know Serge had to manhandle Marquise Chris a couple years ago. Was it three years yeah, ago? He's one of a kind, though. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's one, one of the of few. Um, That's a serious African man. So. Right? The tough guys are, are, are getting pushed in the back, claiming that they need 60 games to rest. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know, when I read the headline that he was coming back, I, I got confused. I said, what do you mean he's coming back? I said, he really missed 60 games? For yeah, pushing him, Man City got packed, but that was a different type of backing, packing still. Like that was a grab a spliff type <laughs> backing. Hot. <laughs> it was a hot thing. So Man's neck was bun up. <laughs> but yeah, man. Like again, when it comes to the whole discussion around being a dirty player, I think it's really it's a it's a matter of perspective for certain players. Certain players, once you cross a certain line, then it's. It, it it's really nothing to discuss, but I feel like that line obviously, obviously gets blurred at times, and 
there's certain things that I don't even think we should really be debating. Like that Jordan play pool last night, I don't even know why people are discussing whether it was a dirty play. The man clearly went for the ball. It just so happened to result in an injury. And that's unfortunate, but that to me doesn't strike me as, oh, you're a dirty player. But again, this is the first instance, so I will yeah, keep an keep eye, the eye out. Just to make sure. Keep the eye out. Make the mental note. Yeah. But all these playoff series are, are basically, they're starting to, to come together. I know it's still early. Most of these are probably going to go to six, if not seven. So there's still a lot of basketball to be played. I'm really interested to see what the conference finalists are going to be. And obviously, we have the finals in. Um, some of the more awards are coming. I'm really waiting for the all-NBA all team and uh, all-defensive teams to be released because there's certain guys that are about to make their Hall of Fame case off of that. So yeah, well, really interesting. I don't see I don't see any controversial um, matters. Like we already, I guess, if Siakam were to make it. Or Jimmy. Be saying... I think Jimmy has a chance, even though I saw some people didn't even vote for Jimmy. And that's what I'm saying, was, because he's was, number one team in the league, doesn't have an all-NBA player. And that was so surprising, but I think Jimmy will make it. I think where it, where it ends up being is Siakam. Like, if people, if people pick how they're supposed to pick in the sense of Embiid and Jokic or centers, that's going to leave it open for a guy like, you know, Siakam to sneak under. And it'll be interesting to see if he, if he actually gets in. Yeah, we'll see. But other than that, I think we're about to hit the hour mark. So you have anything you want to say before we wrap up and get out of here? No, sir. Um, shout out Philly. I'm trying to see that them get game game off for as well. Just so they make it a series and, you know, we don't go outside if we end up actually going out. But if I see us get that game four, I'm going to be coming on next pod saying that, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what I'm going in the third round because it might be a finals team. We'll see. It'll definitely be up. Hopefully Harden can turn up and be a flash of his old self, but who knows? But once again, it's all hustle no luck podcast available on all streaming platforms early Monday mornings. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe, share with whoever's willing to take a listen because you never want to hoard a good thing. Also, uh, we have some really, really great content that we went on and did. Most recently we had a couple of interviews. Uh, we also did some features. We've actually did a lot of features. Let me not undersell it. We were around the world. I felt like I had a part-time job for like three or four weeks. So make sure you guys go double click on that. Um, links in our bio on our page check our ig out make sure you listen to everything we have listed there but um other than that kev will be back next week uh trio will be back and we'll discuss what's happening in basketball and then we have some things that we're cooking up in the future so make sure you guys stay tuned but other than that take care and we'll talk to you guys next time